The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, you want experience during your football season? Well, buckle up, sweet cheeks. That's all we need. We've got all the experience in the world. This is I Want Your Flex with Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. Mike and Dan break down everything you need to set your lineups. From position rankings to starts and sits, the guys help you make those hard decisions. And now, let's get your flex on. Here's Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. Get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. Our executive producer is Ryan Bershinger. You can find him on Twitter at Ryan Bershinger. Bersh will join us later as we continue to break down uh, our divisional breakdowns as we uh, started out a couple of weeks ago talking about the fantasy storylines for each of the NFL teams who do it by division. And we got a couple of divisions to hit on later on in the show. But Mike, we got to start out with the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. It's now in our rearview mirror, but we look back at what happened on Saturday and Sunday as the Bengals went to Buffalo atop the Bills, Niners outlasted the Cowboys, the Eagles demolished the Giants, and that Chiefs-Jaguars game seems like eight days ago yes, for some reason. I don't know why, but Kansas City gets the win against Jacksonville. Did not live up to the hype of a year ago in the great games that we had, but we are now down to a fantastic four in the NFL. Well, every one of them still gave us immense storylines concerns, maybe uh, verified some of the season-long gut feelings we had on teams. Maybe it created new heroes along the way. I mean, right now, do you know anybody that's gotten more swagger and more juice in the NFL world than Joe Burrow coming out of the win at Buffalo? Mm -hmm. 
right? As much as we love the story of Brock Purdy getting the pop from Paul Heyman, Heyman as part of the uh, WWE uh, Raw 30 celebration and the cool intro he'd done for the NFL on Fox, you know, that, that game... There's all the negativity uh, that spills out of it. Philadelphia romps. Giants go quietly into the good night, but they've got huge questions for next year. And then for Kansas City, Jacksonville. Jacksonville was a fun story. They made it interesting. Chad Henney trended for about three hours. Anything is possible, right? Nicely done. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, now we we monitor injuries, but knowing that Mahomes to Kelsey is one of those things we will put in NFL lore, put it in the time capsule. It is, it is a timeless uh, rite of passage. But all in all, you know, the division weekend, we always wait for it, Dan. We call it the best weekend of the year. What Did it live up to the past? Nah, maybe not on a, on a game-to-game basis, but we find our excitement. Yeah, I thought it was a dud. I, I was not loving it. I, I even thought I didn't like the snow in Cincinnati yeah. and, and Buffalo. And I I know it's cliche and people love to see the snow. Oh, I love that it's football. And I just felt you put a governor on two of the best offenses in the National Football League. And it was just a matter of trying to figure out which one could figure it out. And it actually, Mike, was – a setback for Buffalo because they aren't the better running team. Right. And it helped Cincinnati, who was short on the offensive line, to maybe rely on the run a little bit more. It wasn't completely. Burrow still had a good day, and uh, Jamar Chase made his presence known. But the conditions in Buffalo, I thought, worked against the Bills and actually took a little of the luster off of the game. I know people love the way that it looks, but when you're sitting there you know, trying to make plays on ice skates – I just don't know how great it was. Yeah, I mean, we watched the Cincinnati O-line and D-line kind of own the own the day. You know, Buffalo coming into the game, you know, one of the, the stats pulled from the year is, you know, they actually averaged nearly 40 rushing yards more per game. Joe Mixon had one 100-yard game this year, that game against Carolina. Wow. 105 yards against yes. the Bills. In the win on like Thanks he'd start. No, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to say. Remember, Dan. No, it was, it was just as you go through because you know I, I'd heard coming into the game a lot of you know advantage running the football. I'm like they average 98 yards per game, and and Mixon was only at like 60. Like it was not like they were. They were workhorses, and with three offensive linemen down, who the hell knew what kind of effort you were going to get? I think Matt Milano put it down best. Like, there was no juice. No juice for the Bills. And you watch Cincinnati come right out, go right down the field, soft coverage, soft pressure. Offensive line did a good job. Burrow got the ball out quickly. Only took one sack, moved well laterally. Uh, And and you, you just saw... There, there was never an opportunity, or they never took the opportunity to strike back, right? And Josh Allen had that one, the one pass that I, I brought up on the show with Jason Smith Monday night. I bring it up again here that that pass to Stephon Diggs, right after you had the Burrow step up into the pocket and hit Chase for the touchdown early, that you had Josh Allen kind of do the same, and he overshot Stephon Diggs. There was the play of the day. They missed on that and had to punt, and and they never looked back. It was – if you're a Bills fan, that was just an awful watch because – 
There was never a point except, you said, maybe that one play, maybe when they pull within 14-7, but I don't even think right. I don't even th- think that was realistic where you're like, all right, we're back in this or momentum is on our side. It just seemed like they were they were playing uphill from the get-go. And they were because their defense couldn't get off the field. And then all of a sudden you start looking at their, their offense and – you know, you you mentioned the the missed throw, and I was I was high on Gabe Davis this past season. And looking at it from a fantasy you know perspective, you're just like, okay, all right, what what do they what do they really have to count on if you don't have a running game, or if your running game is uh, Josh Allen? Yeah, it's just really like it really exposed Cincinnati. But you, to your point about what Milano was saying, I think that that some of us felt that the Demar Hamlin injury was going to be the thing to bring them together and to have that storybook ending and it was actually the thing that just completely emptied them and it really was well and, you're emotionless uh, emotion is spent i should say yeah and on the other side for cincinnati it's been them against the world right because everybody jumped on the bills bandwagon and not to to make it all about it but you look at between the coin flip where where Joe Joe Mixon got fined for doing that celebration, and the fact that they sold fifty thousand tickets and did everything they could to hang banners. I don't know if they flew a, a plane over the stadium saying that too. We sold fifty thousand tickets in less than twenty four hours. Like they took that and and I I don't always look at bulletin board material like product as legit. Yeah, this one looked like it might have had some juice, Dan. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it did. That or just Cincinnati was the better team. And Well, there's that too. There's when you look at where Buffalo is, gosh, everything was everything was in their way and 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 on my Sunday show, Mike, I compared them to the Boston Red Sox. And and the reason I did that, and I know it's not timely but i think people understand what i'm talking about at least i thought i did until people said ah four championships in 19 years buddy uh we'll do we're all right uh those were boston fans the point being is how long did we think you know like we felt like the red sox curse was curse of the bambino was going to go on forever sure and there were times where there were good teams there were times there were bad teams and when you look at like what this bills team ended up going through the it just like this was another opportunity for them to break through and they had everything set up for them and then they fail again. And I I felt like it, it's not a Buckner through the legs. It's not an Aaron freaking Boone, but it's just a man, another year we didn't win it. And that's where I kind of, I, I kind of was using the Red Sox analogy because I don't, Buffalo's window isn't closed, but at the beginning of the season, and if we remember week one, game one, you know, the the way the Bills were up and down the field against the Rams and how great they looked, it was Super Bowl or bust for the Bills, and it ended up busting on Sunday. Well, and that's the question, right? While it may not be closed, I, I think this is one of those, hey, can you shut that door a little bit? There's too much light coming in. I think they snuffed out a lot of the light because there's a lot of uh, change that needs to happen within the squad, Dan. You know, yeah. as you alluded to in receiving core, deciding do you have a primary ball carrier? Do you need to go into the market to get one? A ton of running backs potentially out there. Both lines need some fortification. Josh Allen, we have no idea how bad that elbow's injured. Right? Oh, I just need rest. I'm going to push surgery off. Is this one of those, all right, we rest, and then eventually this offseason he needs surgery? Is it one of those situations? Like, Stephon Diggs? 
showing his emotions? Is that just a 24-hour thing? Sure. Did he get it all out on Twitter? Or was there more to it than that? I mean, Eli Apple, who, you know, isn't shy on Twitter, because uh, they everybody was showing the handshake pregame between Allen and Diggs. And he goes, didn't look like that after the game. <laughs> so, you know, what, what? what's the next iteration of that look like, right? Uh, Von Miller coming back. What's the defense look like? You need help in the secondary. I think from a personnel standpoint, there's just a lot that needs to happen so that, you know, you build some more balance for Josh Allen. Wouldn't say it's closed, but in that AFC, it's going to be awful tough to break through that back. Who would you rather be a fan of heading into next year, Bills or Cowboys, as we transition to that? Always the Bills. I agree. Both yes. from a personnel and just thinking that the there there will be roster changes that are made and football decisions that are made for football's sake, as opposed to whatever the emotion uh, and... It's a Jerry comment. It's it. It's the Jerry thing. It's a Jerry effect. And the fact that I'm, I'm not a Mark McCarthy guy. I'm just I, not when it comes to to big games at this point. I'd, I'd rather just have Josh Allen as well, even with the well, sure. questions we just we just touched on. And that's Cowboys 100%. as well. Like, if, if Tony Pollard doesn't get hurt, do you think that the outcome is the same? I'll tell you what. I, I thought if you, you played him because, I mean, Micah Parsons had the best post game and folks started to rip him for it. But he goes, you know, we gave up field goals and one touchdown. We got to yeah. win this game. Right? We yes. have to win this game. And I think with Tony Pollard, I mean, you, Ezekiel Elliott looked like he was running in mud. Like he, mm-hmm. he just does not have the burst. And I know for fantasy purposes, goal line work and whatever was great. But – You've got C.D. Lamb, you got Schultz, who I don't think got enough heat for his lackadaisical nonsense at the end of the game um, because Dak and and McCarthy become so easy to go after. But Dak at least gets one heave to the end zone if he gets his feet down instead Mm -hmm. of whatever the hell that last play was supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah, I I knew it as soon as he (laughs) caught it. I'm like, he didn't get both feet down. Right, I think right. that leg was swinging around. No, yeah, that's was... just it. He was so lazy on that catch. Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> think that's going to get reviewed and taken off the board? Come on. <laughs> you could see it from six hours away. Yeah, and and that's yeah, that was. And I just, I the reason I bring up the Pollard thing is because people have brought it up, Mike, but it's done so in in a passing fashion because we talk about Dak's turnovers and how they were critical and they're all talking points. But I do think it's, you know, Pollard makes Pollard makes those plays. And then when you don't have him now, all of a sudden you're looking elsewhere, by the way, no talk about OBJ. They're like, there's like (laughs) OBJ would not have solved anything for the Dallas Cowboys. I think against the San Francisco 49ers, but in the end, it just ended up being all right. We got to figure out a way to get the football to CD Lamb, and if he's not open, I guess we're going to dump it off to Dalton Schultz and hope that this thing doesn't get intercepted. And that's pretty much all the Cowboys had on offense. Well, but when it was nine nine, and and you had the, or I'm sorry, nine six, and you had that pass over the middle to Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard catches that ball, mm-hmm. right? That's a touchdown. Instead, Mara makes the field goal, 25 yards, boom, we're, we're tied. But 
like there's another play and and there were several others in the second half where it's like you at least have that option with Zeke you can't run any of that from LinkedIn News I'm Leah Smart host of Everyday Better an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life We've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Tony Pollard obviously missed by the Cowboys. Um, the Jaguars, you know, for as bad as like Zeke looked for Dallas, like I look at Jacksonville now, Mike, and their loss to the Chiefs, and 
yeah, I mean, no, they, they weren't going to win the game. But they were in the game. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Mahomes has the injury, but it just seemed like this was the storyline for a young team. Play great football, hang in there, a couple of bad turnovers at the end. Um, but, like, I, like I sit there and, I, you know, we talk about Ezekiel Elliott. I look at, like, you know, like Travis Etienne. You know, and just like where he is, and I just, of course, I'm just watching for fantasy, like looking at mm-hmm. the 2023 of being like top ten, baby. Let's yeah, go. exactly. Yes. I'm like, all right, you know, like this is look at what we've got here. A little bit more of this. We saw, you know, we saw his role expand throughout the season, and now you're like, oh, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah, Christian Kirk here, and oh, Kelvin Ridley. Like, so the the Jaguars are the opposite spin of what we've got. We've got such a negative. You know, a bad taste in our mouth from the Cowboys and Bills ending. But the Jaguars riding off into the sunset, you know, with their loss to the Chiefs on Saturday, much more bullish in looking ahead to 2023, you know, with the Jaguars. Game effort, a lot of young talent. You brought up Calvin Ridley, assuming uh, that he gets reinstated. Uh, it's an under-the-radar acquisition that's already been made. Uh, you got to figure out some contracts. Some of the guys you brought in, you know, guys like Ingram and stuff, making sure that you, you solidify and secure them if, if that's the, the goal. The the hasty fumble is the one that just sticks. But, yeah. but uh, you know, the, the, that is what it is. We watched Trevor Lawrence come up big. The backbreaker, of course, that 98-yard drive led by Chad Henney. Right, mm-hmm. everything else you're doing, and once you have a, a bit of a diminished Patrick Mahomes, you know you you try to you know play play even as best you can there. But um, the Chad Henney drive is the one that they're going to be kicking themselves for going forward. But yeah, it's hope, right? With Dallas, is, I, I guess we've just seen this act so many times. So trying to figure out what's the insertion to that equation that's going to put them over. So, and, and with the Bills, we've now watched it for a couple of years. And as you said in the, in the last segment, a lot of expectations from week one on that they were going to romp to at least the conference title game, if not to, to Arizona. With the Jaguars coming off of last year and what Urban Meyer had and all the reports of how bad the culture had gotten, for Doug Peterson to turn it around that quickly – to make the playoffs, I don't care if the division sucked. You still had to go win enough games to win it. Yeah, uh, and then you win uh, to to advance. Yeah, I mean it's it's a big big deal down there. And for Trevor Lawrence, he he got some important time playing in games that mattered, which is huge. The stat that you see so much are second year coaches making that push to a Super Bowl. We could have one with Nick Sirianni this year. Sure. Doug Peterson will be in his second year next year with Jacksonville. We know he's already got a Super Bowl ring as the head coach of the Eagles. Like, if you're looking at a team, and if they just continue on this, this was this was a very positive way to grow a team with Jacksonville. I, I'm not putting them in the Super Bowl next year, but there always seems to be a second-year coach that gets close and is knocking on the door, and usually it's a coach that hasn't coached before, but... Maybe that could be a little funky twist next year when we look at Jacksonville. Well, we're at we're at another situation whereby look at the division. What's yep. changing with any of the other three teams that suddenly makes them, 
you know the odd odds on favorite yes. and makes them a, a better option than what Jacksonville's built. Right. I, obviously, they've got a couple of guys on the defensive part of things for Jacksonville to shore up, and there's always improvements to be made. But Tennessee at this point has no quarterback. Right. They don't like Tannehill. They don't like Malik Willis, or so it seems. Houston is well perennially in hell uh, at this point. Let's see if we can get another coach to hire and fire. Indianapolis, I think, has interviewed 17 or 18 guys already as we sit here on on Monday night uh, to record this, Dan. I don't know if you got your letter. I may have a call with Ursay before the weekends at this point. <laughs> By the way, the, the idea this year, it's also a political campaign of we are going to tell you every guy that we talk to so that when we hire someone, you shut up. That is the uh, MO of seemingly every team with a, a coaching vacancy. Hey, you know what? We're flying this guy. Check out I, his flight on this uh, this tracker. I, I am I am sick of coordinator interviews. Yeah, there's... Uh, I mean... Uh, you got 10 openings. That's a round yeah, table like, like, like no other. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it just... <laughs> Uh, it's it's too much, it's too much. The Jaguars, though, at least a a positive, yeah. uh, a positive end to their season. I don't know what to say about the Giants because they got crushed. And and all I'm going to say is this: I know that there's the conversation about what do you do with Daniel Jones, and you know, great against the Vikings, not great against the Eagles. Um, I just wonder, Mike. I just wonder. If this was maybe the worst thing that could have happened to them, meaning like now you're thinking like, what? Do you, well, he's shown flashes. He's going to be our guy. Like I even like it. You can't franchise take him because there's no way in the heck I'm paying him forty five million dollars a year. Right. You know, and then you sign him to a deal, and if it's a short term deal, you know, for thirty million or whatever, now he is your guy for the next two years. Where I still don't know. Like there were flashes. I don't know. I just I I am apprehensive about his, you know, his future. It's tough, right? Do you get to a, uh, I don't know. Let's go back to Seattle. Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson. Sure. We pay yeah. a guy, but you know what? The other guy comes in and beats him. The other guy comes in and beats him. Yeah. Right. Because at this point, you got to figure out what you're doing with him and decide how much you love Saquon Barkley who, while the reports are that he doesn't want to set the market, he at least wants to be in the ballpark of what McCaffrey's getting. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money for a running back who was brilliant this year, but had had his injury issues in the past. If you're Brian Dable, did you see enough from Daniel Jones to think that you can make him Josh Allen 2.0? <laughs> I don't know. Right? But, yeah. I mean, part of it is also – and, and you and I talked about this all year long, right? Daniel Jones might have been a viable uh, quarterback in your fantasy leagues and certainly, you know, daily and whatever. But who's he throwing the ball to? Yeah. Right? Yeah, Darius he, Slayton's the only guy anybody ever heard of out of that fair, receiving court. Fair, yes. So, he, like, I, I, while I don't think Daniel Jones is a stup- superstar and we throw the term elite around too much in our world – I mean, it, it, it's annoying. If you, you listen to folks and compile it all, we might have 15 guys that are elite, and 10 of them are guys that are also told by other hosts and, and personalities and columnists that those guys stink. Uh, but, like, there's they, the two leading receivers, Richie James and Saquon Barkley, with 57 yeah. catches. You're, no, you're, 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 you're dead on right about that. And that is – 
there's a whole other side note of that whole conversation of, you know, elite, great, you know, whatever. Daniel Jones had just about as many passer rating games over 100 as he had under 80. So it was a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Like the, like that's that's the that's the tricky part about it. I guess the one thing that could tilt in his favor is the ability for him to run the football and what he can do with his legs because that was a weapon. Um, now I'm talking myself into Daniel Jones well, literally as we're doing this. Like it's <laughs> I'm just you know I'm thinking all right, uh, and, and you're thinking what else is out there because I I, I think it's unfair that everybody tries to find their next Mahomes or now maybe the case being Burrow right and they're you know to to what you're saying. There, I mean, there's so, two there are two guys. They are outliers at this point. Yes. And you just have to, you know, there, there are pieces on the defense that uh, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, sure. pieces that you can absolutely build around. And you're right. If you've got him a legitimate target that isn't Kenny Galladay. You, know, right. then, you paid him a lot of yeah. money. It didn't work. <laughs> yes. you, you drafted Kadarius Tony, couldn't stay on the field, and eventually you just said beat it. Yep. Yeah. And now who's the guy that might be uh, the guy to be a pain in the side of uh... – <laughs> This the Bengals this week, but you know, you know this is this is so funny because this this came up on our on our Sunday show that we were doing, and you know you you mentioned the elite conversation, and and I'm just, I'm, I'm going to take it in this direction, Mike, because we're old. And if you're younger, you're probably not going to like what I'm about to say because I'm going to sound like a get off my lawn guy. But these arguments that we have with these quarterbacks, we didn't have thirty years ago. We didn't have 40 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, even just we, we weren't having these conversations. We weren't saying, do you think Jake DeLome is elite? Right. Like, you know, like we, we weren't saying that. We're like, you know, Stan Humphreys leads the Chargers to a Super Bowl, you know, and nobody's like, is Stan Humphreys better than John Elway? You know, like, like there, there aren't those conversations and, and. Thank goodness, number one, but it just like it just it, it 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 wears on me like it really really does. And having these conversations and how we have to categorize guys because it was it was never it, it was it was never like that. And I, and and by the way, this way of doing it is not correct. So it's not like this is the new way and this is how it is. It just happens to be the way that everybody does it. Just like everybody tried to put AstroTurf in their stadiums. And look how that turned out. Like this, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that it's right. Damn right. That's good parenting advice, too. So take that, <laughs> esteemed <laughs> listeners, as you move forward. No, like when it, when it comes down to it, I mean, growing up, you had Montana, you had Elway, you had Marino. And then you had Jim Kelly, and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right? You had four or five guys that were head and shoulders above the rest. And now obviously, I'm talking post Bradshaw, post you know some of the you know the Starbucks and whatever in the in the late 70s. Once we get into the 80s and 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 into the early 90s, that like that was it. And then we started getting excited by guys like Randall Cunningham and some others. But when we're talking about elite, it was. Yeah, you you just kind of you didn't have the arguments because you just yeah. kind of nodded in that general direction and then appreciated or didn't the quarterback that had for your squad. When 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 Phil Sims carves up the Broncos defense in Super Bowl twenty one, 
36 years ago. I know like this is way back and boy do I feel old saying that. I don't You're remember. You're a historian though, Dan. I don't re- beyond, don't, why, far beyond your years. I don't remember Chris Berman, you know, hopping on from Pasadena afterwards and being like, yeah, Sims is <laughs> Sims is two in my rankings behind Montana. <laughs> He's just past Marino. You know, with it's like that stuff didn't happen and it didn't happen twenty years ago. Like we weren't we weren't you know, this is twenty years ago, Super Bowl thirty seven, Buccaneers, Raiders. We're not like Brad Johnson is now in that class. Brad John, like, like that. No, there, there's that was not happening. Jake DeLome, I like joke about it, but it's true. Like, there's Dan, I screwed it up tonight. Then when I did the show with Smith, I was so obsessed with the arrival of WrestleMania here in Los Angeles in early April that I, I compared the AFC Championship game between Burrow and Mahomes, the battle for the belt. It's Roman Reigns against Kevin Owens. <laughs> At the Royal Rumble. I mean, come on, let's go. <laughs> well, that should be. I mean, like they are they are the best. The point is, is with someone like Daniel Jones, you know, like like we're putting them into this yeah. conversation that had never happened before. And in the process, what we're doing is we're hurting Daniel Jones. No, sure. You know, just like Josh Allen, perfect, you know, like Josh Allen's gonna be getting flack. You know, Dak. I mean, nobody took more heat. Uh, f- coming from this weekend, the Dak Prescott. I mean, how many how many rubber stamp, you know, opinions sure. of of Dak were there after this past well, weekend? Well, you had performative art of throwing away jerseys. Sure, sure. Did you see the guy who broke his twenty four inch TV? Like it honestly looked like a computer monitor. So I saw this, and and I saw this, and then on TikTok on Monday night. I saw another camera angle. So then that told me that the thing was absolutely fake and was set up, that you had two people recording this. And, Mike, this screen, phones are bigger than the TV screen this guy punched. <laughs> so there's no way that you're watching the biggest game that of the team that you love on a TV so small. Like, these guys have to get better when they're faking no, their, it's- I'm punching my TV uh, videos. No, it's absurd. If, if you're going for clout, look at, at this point, you could buy a decent TV for 200 bucks. Yes, right. Go to Costco. Go to you know Best Buy or whatever near you. Order it off Amazon. You can get yourself a, a cheap enough TV to go through these charades. What I am suggesting, though, Dan, and maybe you'd like to go partners in Bershinger if you want in on this too. You know, break rooms have become a thing. You know, have a party, put on some goggles, and go in and just beat the hell out of whatever's in the room. Computer, old computers, old keyboards, you know, whatever the case, old printers like you're in office space, whatever the case may be. And you pay for the privilege to go in there and just wreck stuff. Maybe we do a team. There's a lot of stuff. That's what I'm thinking. We start combing all these uh, sales when they do the uh, electronic recycling things. We say, you know what, let's just pay you cash. Instead I, I just, of the recycling. I just don't get the, I'm so mad at this team, I'm going to burn this shirt. I just don't, it's so, it's just so fake and yeah. so phony. There are some shirts that I should burn in my wardrobe. There's well, there's no doubt about that, but I'm not going to do it because the Seahawks lost in the wild guard round of the Niners. Yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen at all. 
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so the divisional playoffs are in the rearview mirror. Leaving those behind. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll all weigh in on our thoughts on the championship games. But Ryan Bershinger, our executive producer, is here. Get him on Twitter at Ryan Bershinger. Of course, get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. And find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. We started to do this a couple of weeks ago where we take a division and we talk about the fantasy storylines that stood out from each team. 
We did the AFC East a couple of weeks back. Let's do NFC East, and let's just talk with about the team that has stayed alive this season or that's still alive this season, Mike. Let's start out with the Philadelphia Eagles. Biggest storyline from the Eagles fantasy-wise uh, that stands out to you this year? Uh, I will say that I'll go to the running back position, that you've gotten production, but almost in a Belichickian way, sometimes it frustrates the hell out of you. Mm-hmm. As to who's finding the end zone. Yeah. Miles Sanders. Well, you know, if it's the Giants, it's going to be Boston Scott. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you know that. Bursch, what happened in Philly that stood out to you? Uh, well, it has to be the return on investment you got on Jalen Hurts uh, drafting at quarterback. I, I think, uh, I, and we're going to be mentioning, I'm sure, a handful of guys, especially in these divisions, guys who you drafted maybe in the mid to late rounds who ended up being fantasy MVPs because they came out among the top in their division, uh, uh, among the top of their position. Uh, Jalen Hurts is absolutely that guy at quarterback, right? He finished the season as quarterback three. Uh, he His rushing numbers are fantastic, but his passing numbers were also fantastic and out of that you got an absolute stud at quarterback and you've got two uh receivers that had a thousand yards this past season with Devonte smith and aj brown surprisingly because I, I honestly i know it's a 17 game season but if i were to say uh Devontae smith and aj brown didn't crack a thousand yards with jalen hurts as the quarterback at the beginning of the year i'm not saying that you would you wouldn't be shocked i'm just saying that wouldn't be like you could be like, oh, okay, just didn't progress and it didn't work out. Now the Eagles have to try to find a new quarterback or that A.J. Brown got injured, um, all those things. But I'll, t- I'll take the wide receivers. And obviously there are a lot of different storylines that, that pop out with these teams. Um, I'm going to take Dallas just right now because I had C.D. Lamb. I drafted C.D. Lamb in a dynasty league, and now I'm very happy with that selection. Him emerging as a number one guy for me, um, personally worked out, and I think that uh, for all of Dak's problems, there now seems to be a rapport that is, uh, is, is quite good, which is completely different from what we saw in week one when I think like C.D. Lamb had like two catches on 11 targets. It was just awful against the Buccaneers. Anyway, it seemed to develop throughout the year. C.D. Lamb emerging as a WR number one for the Cowboys. Even though he was WR number one, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. He filled in the role for the Cowboys, so that's going to be my story. Became true number one, no question about it. Uh, Look, I'd been banging the drum for Tony Pollard, and I built the bandwagon that everybody jumped on. So his 1,000-yard rushing with nine scores and adding another 39 receptions and three touchdowns, yeah, I'll take the victory lap on that one. Uh, I think Dak Prescott was actually a solid fantasy quarterback. Um, in terms of the overall numbers, you find him at quarterback 20 because he missed time, but on a per-game basis, he was he was ninth among fantasy quarterbacks. So uh, he was a quarterback one when he played. I I had him in a couple leagues, and he was he was solid through the second half of the season. Uh, uh, not super stellar, but he gave very strong games at times and and uh, gave good numbers as as shown by his average there. I still get completely biased by fantasy, though, when we were talking about these guys. Because I was like, I wanted to stand up for Dak because of what he did fantasy-wise. Sure. There's no there's no defending the, the interceptions and the turnovers. But there is the, uh, you know, like, hey, wait a second here. He's still producing in, in a fantasy perspective. And he's still throwing to CeeDee Lamb despite that uh, week one debacle. So, yeah, there, was a, there actually was some positivity when it came to the Cowboys fantasy-wise. What about the Giants? Bursch, I'll let you start out with this one. 
Uh, I think Daniel Jones, uh, it was fun quarterback to have quarterback. lover. Yeah. Man, yeah, Ryan just, Bersinger. Just, <laughs> just going through, I have the quarterback page up here. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but because of his rushing numbers, he actually was a very solid quarterback at times. He actually came in uh, right below Dak on that uh, that per-game basis. Uh, for So he was a quarterback one as well. Uh, that, that rushing number gave you a, a solid floor with Daniel Jones, but of course his limited passing ability and the limited weapons he had uh, uh, to throw to uh, limited his ceiling, but uh, at quarterback who can run, uh, you'll take that solid floor. So uh, I, I think a, a decent season with Daniel Jones, and I think as, as you guys talked about earlier, uh, I would I would look towards seeing uh, taking Jones as a quarterback one next season as well because I think he could progress on those numbers with another year under Dable's system. It is, it is pretty funny because he did complete 67% of his passes to nobody in particular. And I guess that that's the uh, – I could just put a giant question mark for mine because uh, I want I don't want to just be selfish and take Saquon Barkley, but that's really well, we the both, only other story here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. we both love him. I mean, so. that's, that's it. Like, he was a guy coming into the year, and I, I readily raised my hand. I had questions. A lot of questions. I ranked him, I think, probably lower than anybody else, um, in, in in at least in our crew, just from the idea of is he going to be healthy? Is the offensive line going to be any good? What's Dable going to be able to do in year one? And instead, you got a guy that ran like a man possessed and came up with big play after big play and consistency as a runner and receiver. I, there are no storylines with the Giants, so we'll just finish out with the Commanders. I am going to I'll tell you I'll tell you what Brian Robinson actually coming back and having an 800-yard season after being shot in the preseason. Insane. Yes. Just crazy. insane. Yeah. Like both like parts the, of it, the getting shot and then the coming back and running for 800 yards. We knew about him in preseason drafts. Like there was the, like his name and what he did in the preseason and you're saying, "You know what? I got Brian Robinson in round number 9. I'm really happy about that." And then you hear this news that he gets carjacked and then shot twice. And I I, I kind of off for the entire season then you start hearing good news, you know, better news, better news. And then for him to come back and be the contributor that he did just completely stands out to me. There were there were other things, by the way, that it could have gone with Washington-wise. I'll let you guys say your pieces. But to have 800 yards after being shot, you know, a week before the season starts, amazing. Bursch? Washington. Okay, well, uh, I'll take well, their quarterback. No, um, <laughs> uh, obviously, I, mean, I loved Sam Howell in Week Seven. He looked really good down the stretch when Ron Rivera didn't know what the hell was going on with their playoff hopes. Um, Terry McLaurin finished the season as wide receiver eighteen, uh, and with, of course, that uh, shaky quarterback se- uh, situation throughout the season, uh, he showed that you know his his talent does trump all. So, uh, uh, still a a solid season for Terry McLaurin uh, coming through as a startable wide receiver in fantasy. A ton of value there. I am going to grab Jahan Dotson as a guy. He showed up seven touchdowns on the year, only 35 catches, but some big play potential. Oh, so yeah. all you do is go find me a, a, one of these many, many quarterbacks out there. I know we had that great Photoshop uh, picture of Lamar Jackson in a commander's uniform. I don't think that happens, uh, but someone will be coming to town 
uh, to push this offense further, and and they've got a guy uh, that's ready to explode in his second year. Yeah, he, he flashed big time on, on a bunch of plays, and I guarantee I will overdraft him. Yes, uh, next hundred <laughs> percent next, uh, next summer. There's no doubt about it. Okay, that's the NFC East. You want to guys quick want to do NFC North? You let's go. All right, all right. Let's do it, Mike. Let's start with your Bears. Let's start with you. What do you got from Chicago? Find me a receiver. No, um, <laughs> it, like it's it, it was the run game, which was tops in the National Football League for a good chunk of the year. And then it all kind of fell apart as injuries hit. But you've got question marks going forward with both Montgomery and Herbert. But they they are two guys that are number ones for NFL teams next year. Bursch, Bears. Uh, okay, I will take Justin Fields. Quarterback! And his, <laughs> his breakout season. Um, of course, having a, a couple gigantic games in the middle of the year and suddenly everyone's like, oh my goodness, uh, it, you know, it, it Fields probably went undrafted in, in your league. In many leagues, he went undrafted and uh, guys who were able to pick him up and, and especially start him there in the middle of the season where he had like back-to-back 40-point performances. Um, it, I think it was a ton of fun to see. I hope Justin Fields does in, incredibly well. I hope uh, Harmon. I, I hope they get him a receiver. And yeah. uh, you know, well, they ch- traded for Chase Claypool, who <laughs> thinks he could be a top three. Uh, no, I, I had Fields as a top ten quarterback coming into the year, and I I was really scared that that was going to be a disaster. Uh, but the couple of performances that you mentioned burst did uh, put him all the way up at you know top six seven. There, there's no way we're going three positives for the team that uh, finished with the worst record in the NFL. Well, that's just it. So, they, have the, yes. they, they have one of those top picks. So. Uh, you, you could say Cole Komet. He did finish as a top Yeah, I know. Him. I was going to, but it's not going to happen. Uh, Darnell Mooney killed me. Uh, he, he was yeah. – um, He was. remember I got bounced from the guillotine league in week one? Yes. Yeah, he was on that team. You hated me the whole time. Did I tell you I won mine, Dan? No, no, I don't think so. Actually, maybe we did. Bit controversial at the end because we really didn't do anything with that week 17. So it's kind of weird. But 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 I'll claim victory. Well, congratulations. Thank you. uh, Bershinger won eight leagues, I think, this year. Did he? he? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. yeah, Darnell Mooney, disappointment for me with the uh, with the oh, what a dis- what a Bears. disaster! I th- I thought yes. great things were on tap for him. So did I. Forty catches, Ugh. two touchdowns. Uh, that's uh, me throwing up in my he mouth. He had four um, catches but- in the month of September for crying out loud. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I am aware. I, I am just, aware. Just saying, as a uh, a guy that a supporter of the Chicago Bears, I was offended. By the well, lack of output, <laughs> yeah, it was it was not good. Uh, the lack of playoff output for the Minnesota Vikings um, was expected. Vikings storylines. Ryan Bershinger, you're up. Uh, it's Justin Jefferson being uh, completely and utterly dominant at the position, uh, putting up gigantic numbers as the top wide receiver this season, and making a strong case to be the number one overall pick in fantasy drafts next season, which would be, uh, I think, really the first time in a long time where a receiver would be considered as the consensus number one coming into the season. But yeah, Justin Jefferson, just incredible. I'm, I'm going to jump in, Mike, and I'm just going to say Dalvin Cook had had an under the radar year like like there, there there were like there wasn't a time 
where I thought, man, look at what look at what Dalvin Cook is doing. Now, he had moments. He did have moments, but I, I just I, I'm so apprehensive for him in 2023 because I just don't know where it's going. Plus, is there is the history of of injury. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say the the what I felt was a quiet season for uh, for Dalvin Cook this past year. I'll I'll take the the low hanging fruit that's out there. Uh, good old Captain Kirk, third straight year that he finished as a QB one. Mm. We can hate him, and the turnovers sure. were certainly much higher this year. Sack rate was up, all of that. But once again, forty five hundred yards, twenty nine touchdowns. How many games do you think? Dalvin Cook went over 100 yards this year. What do you, he had? What almost 1,200 yards, right, or something like that? Yes, 1173. Three. Burst. Yeah, I was gonna say like four. Yeah, two. Really? Oh wow, <laughs> two. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. See this. This again goes through because I saw that this year we had more thousand-yard rushers than we've had in a while. And I'm like, I don't remember a lot of big running running games. Yeah, I know a lot of combo games, given the way it is now. How many multi touchdown games do you think Dalvin Cook had? And I, I, this is this is not meaning that you guys didn't focus on Dalvin Cook. I'm just, it's kind of like a guess. I'm like, how many do you think he would probably have multi touchdown games? I'll go three, f- four, three or four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, and one. Wow. <laughs> well, so you at least so, got a touchdown a bunch of weeks. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then and, and so like it was just like that's what I mean like of the the under the radar for Dalvin Cook. How about um, that? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Cuz what? Really receiving is, wise, he had no, uh, 39 catches too. You know, he has that big play against the Colts that we all see. Sure. You know, like, and we're like, oh man, Dalvin Cook doing his thing. <laughs> you know, he's got the 81-yard run against the Bills. Like, oh, man, look, you know, Dalvin Cook, look at that. And then you realize that he didn't do anything else when you weren't watching him. Um, all right, versus uh, Green Bay Packers. Like them. The Green Bay. <laughs> and the horse they rode in uh, or out I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Their defense stunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I know we could go a lot of different different places with it. I'll just say that. Like, there was a team that I thought was going to win the Super Bowl because I thought their defense was going to uh, help lead the way. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. So I'm actually going completely um, out of left field with this and say Green Bay's defense, huge disappointment. That's fine. I agree with that. I, I support it. Um, I'll, I'll go with what I think was the, the brightest spot, uh, and that was uh, Christian Watson showing that uh, his his talent as a potential number one is there. Um, throughout the first uh, week, uh, through week nine, he didn't really show anything, and then suddenly week 10, he had that big week where he was the number one receiver on the week. Then he was wide receiver four, wide receiver six, wide receiver four in that huge four-week span. The crazy thing, though, is that in those four games, he had four catches, four catches, four catches, three catches. Um, so just uh, just a home run hitter in Christian Watson. Uh, I'm excited to see what this guy will do, uh, hopefully with you know uh, another year uh, under this offense, uh, possibly with Aaron Rodgers throwing it to him. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was great to see uh, Christian Watson's breakout happen the second half of the season. A.J. Dillon, what the hell? Yeah. What's yeah. That? Yeah. Yes. Averaging about 57 total yards per game. Did have the seven touchdowns, but there was no consistency, rhyme, or reason to how they used that backfield this year. 
And no. fantasy owners left greatly disappointed. Evidently, people that were at Universal, or I'm sorry, at uh, Disney World uh, in, in this week, Dan, they got to meet A.J. Dillon if they could pick him out uh, amongst the crowd. And he was just kind of hanging out. So that's a win, but it was not a good thing for fantasy owners. All right, let's end with the Detroit Lions. Uh, Mike, you have the honors. What what uh, stood out from Dan Campbell's group? Superstar offensive coordinator who decided all these head coaching jobs stink, so I'm staying here. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> Smart move, too. I, I think he's a genius. <laughs> ben Johnson sticking around, sorry. Took a sip of my water. Burst. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Lions. Um, Jamal Williams being a better fantasy running back than DeAndre Swift was pretty wild. Um, Jamal Williams finished the season as running back 12. Uh, a huge touchdown to 15 touchdowns on the season. So, um, I, I mean, good for him. I like the guy. Uh, so, but that was pretty wild given that DeAndre Swift was taken, you know, end of first, early second round for people. And, and Williams is probably much later because, uh, coming into the season, uh, and, you know, logically speaking, people were not super high on the Lions offense. Of course, uh, there's one guy in particular that I'm sure Daniel mentioned that, that, that people were plenty hyped on, but, Goff. uh, yes. <laughs> um, DJ Shark, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, Hey. Hey, you can steal my info. Don't steal my jokes, okay? <laughs> DJ Chark was going to be the line. Uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, a very strong season for Jamal Williams and uh, rewarded people who took a chance on him in the middle rounds. Do you think Jamal Williams, and this is to both of you guys, is the James Conner of a year ago? Um. Well... Who do you? I mean, who do you like? Who would you like more? Do you like James? Uh, do you like James Connor entering this season, or would you like Jamal Williams more next season? Give me Jamal Williams. I, I, yeah, I guess so. I, I, I'm only hesitant because like it feels like Connor's job is is uncontested, and it feels like Williams should be more contested than it is. But um, I, I, I'd probably lean Connor right now, but it's only because of the the situations. Uh, but, sure. Yeah. I mean, Connor had the 15 touchdowns. Right. Yeah. You know, Williams with the 17 that he had this year. So, yeah, like there's. That, though. Yeah. I mean, I was high on James Connor, and I thought, like, you know, we had talked about it, you know, DeAndre Hopkins suspension. And, and I actually think Connor proved his, his worth at times. Just everything in Arizona was a mess. Mm-hmm. I'll just obviously take the layup then. Yeah. Amonra St. Brown, who, by the way, you mentioned Justin Jefferson being high in some 2023 talk. Uh, Amonra St. Brown is very high in a lot of 2023 talk. We'll have to see how high he gets when we do our mock draft coming up in a couple of episodes. So Absolutely. there it is. NFC North off the board, NFC East off the board. We did the AFC East. If you want to go back, check the pod from two weeks ago. That's where you can find that. Boom, All right, Birch, great work. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll do it again next week. Um, actually, wait, hang around. What what's going to be the? I want to know what your thoughts are, are, are quickly on your prediction for who's going to play in Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Harmon, though, we'll let you have the floor um, to set up what you think we're going to see in Arizona. I'll tell you, I don't I don't want to be uh, jumping on board bandwagons and all, but given the uh, way they're playing right now, the us against the world mentality, and the the guy that doesn't seem to have a pulse, like he's that dude at the blackjack table, or 
or at the uh, poker table. It's like, hey, put the heart monitor on him. You had no idea whether he's got a terrible hand or a good one uh, in Joe Burrow, and the the Mahomes injury bothers me. So I'll take the Bengals on that side of of the the field. And I had San Francisco going uh, before the season. I, I can't bail on them now. All right, the third time we could see a Cincinnati-San Francisco Super Bowl. And heck, if it wasn't for a dropped interception in the fourth quarter, just maybe we could have seen it for the fourth time. Uh, Mike's got the Bengals and Niners. Bursch, what do you got? Uh, I agree with Mike on the Bengals for the same reasons. I think they're they're playing incredibly well right now. And if uh, a hobbled Mahomes uh, instantly... Uh, debilitates that offense so uh yeah i'm definitely going with the Bengals there i will take the eagles over the niners i think uh we saw this last weekend what a very strong defense could potentially do uh against against brock purdy as talented as the rest of that niners offense is and the eagles are playing incredibly well and are a very strong team so i will take Bengals eagles all right you guys are split on the nfc um i'm breaking uh ranks with the afc i think that the chiefs actually get it done and break this hex that Joe Burrow has over them. And the reason is because I want to see an Andy Reid bowl. Give me Chiefs Eagles in I kind of dig that. Yes. Maybe maybe there'll be some more appreciation for what the guy actually did in Philadelphia. Yes. Because remember I, how uh, you know he was like, ah, he can't win. It's like, all he did was win. Sure. I mean, those guys were in the yeah. NFC title game. I just want to make sure, you know, because we do have our big board out here that you don't come back and call me a liar later. I had San Francisco playing the Bucks, and, you know, I had the Jimmy G, Tom Brady Bowl, uh-huh. and, and I had Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Why? Because, well, I'm, I'm a sycophant uh, of the uh, – and I'm trying to get those cheekbones as I lose weight. But uh, no, more more like since I had San Francisco run, I love the defense, so I'll stay with it. So that that's more the uh, the sucker bet that I'm making there. But I love your Andy Reid bowl. That would be yeah. fantastic. That's what I think we're going to see in Arizona. We'll find out the next time we speak on if it actually comes to fruition. And by, the, by my guess, we're going to have a Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl. So none of us get the picks right. But uh, <laughs> anyway, all right. So for Ryan Bershinger, get him on Twitter at Ryan Bershinger. And the one and only Mike Harmon, you can find on Twitter at Swollen Dome. You can find me, Dan Byer, on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Talk to you next time right here on I Want Your Flex. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.